In a world where people strive to conquer the digital landscape, the best leaders are moving forward and planting flags. This is the Oil & Gas Digital Doers podcast, where you can hear about the thrill of digital victory and the industry's best guidance on how to win with your host, Michael O'Sullivan. So, for those of you who might be looking for a job, uh, if you happen to be, if you happen to be experienced uh, as a uh, as a pumper, now, and I think you have to be reasonably experienced because this this job here, this is this is from the Apache Corporation, and uh, you got This is for, to be a pumper three, so presumably you have to have already had experience being a pumper one and a pumper two, and if if you're up to the pumper three level, then they are hiring this job. Uh, let's see, an assortment of locations. Coahoma, Texas, which is out in the Permian. Uh, also, let's see, Powell, Texas, which I think is up in East Texas near Corsicana. That would be the Haynesville Shale up there. Uh, also in Eunice, New Mexico, which I feel like I should know where that is, but it's in New Mexico. Uh, as you know, there's lots of uh, unconventionals happening out there. Uh, I don't know. There might be a couple of other spots. But anyway, if you're curious, like, well, well what do I have to do if I'm a pumper three? Um, uh, so the, the good news is, from what I can tell in the job description here, you don't have to do any actual pumping. Like, you don't have to grab the handle and, you know, work the machine up and down. Uh, it looks like it's a little bit more... It's a little bit, uh, a little maybe more uh, sophisticated, less physical than that. But uh, anyway, there's a, well, there's a long list of bullet, uh, bullets here. It looks like it looks like you have to know how to do a lot of stuff. Um, but if, but if, uh, like for example, um, well, there's a lot of preparing various reports and checking measurements and um, keeping good records and uh, maintaining the safety of the equipment. And it's a pretty responsible. Uh, position, uh, Pumper 3, from what I can tell. So anyway, if you're, uh, if you want to work in Texas or New Mexico, and, uh, and, and I would guess you got to at least be a Pumper 2. Let's see, what are the, what are the, uh, minimum requirements here? Well, you got to have a high school, you got to graduate high school. It says five years of work, uh, related work experience. That, that sounds to me like you've already been on Pumper 1 and a Pumper 2. And, uh, you got to know all the Microsoft applications. Um, and there's a bunch of other stuff here. Uh, but anyway, just wanted to share that with you. Why? Why on earth? Do you, I know you're wondering. You're wondering why on the Oil & Gas Digital Doers Podcast, which, by the way, welcome to the Oil & Gas Digital Doers Podcast, brought to you right here on the Oil & Gas Global Network by our very good friends at Hewlett Packard Enterprise, uh, affectionately known as HPE. Um, so the reason why, well, well you're going to find out. When, when we get to the guest, uh, I have a, I have a, this is a really fun guest today, folks. I know I say that every guest is great, and they are, but, but, uh, but this time I'm talking with uh, now. Now, if you had listened to a couple of episodes back, I was talking with a couple of guys from ExxonMobil, and we were talking about uh, their innovation framework, and, um, and they mentioned this person n numerous times. Uh, and so today we will, we will be talking with that person who uh, everybody was so impressed by. Um, and, and you're going to find out why I was kind of curious uh, to, uh, to know what exactly does a pumper do and how do I get a pumper job. Clearly, I'm not qualified, so I will not be applying for the pumper three job with Apache. But if you are, uh, you can find this right there on the Apache website or I imagine any, any of the other spots. All right. 
enough of that. I did mention our sponsor, Hewlett Packard Enterprise, HPE. Uh, they are a relatively new sponsor for the show, um, but they're not new to working with OGGN. They have sponsored some other stuff for us. We've worked on some events together. Really love the folks over there, and they're doing some some great stuff. You might have heard me on the last episode talk about HPE Green Lake. It is a cool thing. Um, if you're if you're looking for uh, uh, better options on how to do this edge to cloud stuff, then look at HPE Green Lake. If you don't know what I mean by edge to cloud, then you know that's probably not for you. But uh, but we do love working with them. We appreciate their sponsorship. As I always say, without them. There is no us, and that is really true. Without our sponsors, um, we wouldn't be able to do any of this, and therefore you would have nowhere to go for all of this fantastic stuff. Uh, Believe me, I've looked. There is nowhere. This is the only place. So thanks to our sponsors. Please show them some love. And without any further babbling from me, ladies and gentlemen, please give a warm OGG and welcome to Maggie Burns. All right, folks, that gets us, uh, as you probably just heard me say uh, right before the exciting musical interlude that uh, we have our guest today. I am sitting here on the line with Maggie Burns from this little company known as XTO Energy. So Maggie, thanks for uh, making time today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, I mean, anytime. Actually, the so, so we were just talking about this, right? The, the story is that for those of you faithful listeners um and i i guess even the unfaithful ones if you, heard, <laughs> if, you heard, if you heard this episode that i did a little while back on the show with uh these two guys rich and ben <laughs> rich and ben uh, look from, you got it you I got, got it, it. <laughs> not rich and ken from exxon mobile and remember so rich and ben from exxon mobile were talking about all this cool digital transformation, uh, the innovation framework and stuff. And and if you remember in that show, they kept talking about this amazing person, Maggie, who did this, has done this some great digital transformation out in the unconventional. So here we have, so so we have the the great and wonderful Maggie actually on the show. It's great to, it's great to, I mean, because you said they made you sound like a mythical being when they were talking. <laughs> I'm I think I like pay Ben or something, apparently. Is so that what it, okay. I, I definitely, yeah. Yeah. So, I definitely owe him some money, I think. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. We'll just keep that between us. So, <laughs> um, so first, Maggie, so let's talk about who you are. So, you, so you do work for this company, uh, XTO, which not, we, we might talk about that in a second because I think maybe not everybody is necessarily familiar with the relationship between XTO. And ExxonMobil. But the more important thing is that you're out there in the unconventional world um, where, of course, they love for people to come in like with new ideas on what they want to do, what you want to do with their computers. Um, and but I know I did a little homework. I know you've been you were with XTO for a long time, even before the merger, something like 13, 14 years. And you started out like you were out in like you're running the equipment, right? Like you were a field person yeah whatever, that's whatever that's that right is. i started out as a pumper um as a pumper. i guess technical only technical only term now is waste operator but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, only only in this industry do you have something called a pumper so exactly so what so what so all right so let's let, we got time let's talk about what, what does that mean exactly if you're a pumper <laughs> yeah so those are, are kind of the boots on the ground that actually optimize and run wells and bring them on when we have new wells and and kind of keep production moving right and so I did I started my first three years of my career so you're not out um, there like with the handle like moving the thing up and down to get the 
Like I, you say pumper, and I think of like like when I was a kid, we used to go camping at this place where they didn't really have running water, but there was this pump, and you'd like crank the handle up and down, and the water would come out. Like that, we're not talking about. Yeah, not not really that, right? Not so that, okay. I did I did do um, gas well starting out, um, and so I started in Barnett Shell, but really like optimized an artificial lift, and I think pumper really came to terms because you think of the rod pumps, right? So trying to optimize yeah. and run sure. rod pumps, and for me, artificial lift and gas lift and um, just bringing wells on and and turning crescent wrenches and pipe wrenches and and slinging hammers, right? So definitely started out in the field um, in the truck all day working on wells, and then um, so kind of went through the so artificial lift route. So how? So I'm a little curious. Like, how, was this like you always wanted to do this? Like when you were a kid, you hung out in the garage looking at all the tools and saying, "Someday I'm going to get me a big crescent wrench." Like how was? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's um the same as probably everybody you kind of fall into it backwards um yeah. I am definitely the tomboy so my dad was lucky enough to have two girls and so I was the boy of the group for sure yeah. um and definitely like a farming family and I actually have an ag degree that I'm not using um and so it was one of those you knew somebody who knew somebody that needed work and mm -hmm. um, my sister's gonna rub this in all all day long but um one of her friend's dad actually needed somebody to help and so she introduced me and um the rest has cool. been history i've been with xto for 13 years like you said okay so 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 all this time with xto um apparently you were having a lot of fun and then one day <laughs> somebody came and said uh we're merging with this little company you might have heard of called exxon mobile right so when, yeah. when, that was that's been what like five six years now how long has that been oh longer yeah 10 longer. uh yeah it was in 2010 i think when they announced it so yeah, 10, 11 well, so, years now. So if my wife were here, she would say, so any, it doesn't matter. Like if I say that was two years ago, she'll hold up five fingers, right? Like, <laughs> if I say, yeah, that was I mean, if I say ago. that happened the other day, it really happened probably a year ago. Yeah, so I agree. I'm going so, to the same way. <laughs> so, so more than 10 years ago. So ExxonMobil, because they wanted the, they were interested in the unconventional business, right? That's when it was really starting yep. to boom. Yeah. Yeah, so. that's correct. So good. But you still kind of, but it's still XTO energy. Like, is it? It is. is. Is it is it still kind of like its own separate operation or how, how does it Yeah, start? I mean, it's definitely becoming more ingrained now and really trying to merge kind of the two thinking. And, it, it, you know, XTO was much more of a kind of independent, fast, agile, kind of move quickly, yeah. Uh, yeah. but less processes. And so there's probably pros and cons to both of them. And so um, it really is kind of moving down the path of, of integrating and trying to get the best of both worlds. Yeah, it's kind of like this other little company that they bought a while back called Mobile. Called Mobile, uh, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, same same thing. Well, and so I'm I'm so I'm I'm kind of hanging on this because it, besides just being an interesting story, when we start talking about digital transformation, one of the big things to kind of work through is the cultural aspects, right? And if you already have a culturally complex organization, then digital transformation doesn't get any easier, I would imagine, right? No, that's true. Um, and I'll say at least in unconventional, you know, everybody always kind of asks me, how, how did you get the buy-in? And, you know, if, even if it was hard at first, and maybe I'm far enough away from that two years ago that it doesn't seem that hard mm -hmm. anymore, but there's so much drive from unconventional. And I think it has been because we've always been the, the speed up. You think about Exxon and some of the, you know, super majors in their 
core portfolios and it's like long projects, long-term thinking, you know, build something for four or five years and it's going to be around for 20 or 30 years. And that's yeah, not really yeah. how unconventional works. Right. No. And so I do think it's like a shift change in what mm -hmm. we're used to, even how we produce. Um, yeah, and so yeah. we kind of tackle some of the stuff differently. Yeah. I, I remember it was a probably about three or four years ago. People were just beginning to talk about some of the stuff. And um, <clears throat> I was working with this uh, small sort of software consulting company and, and we were trying to, we were talking to this, uh, somebody from not XTO, but let's just say a similar company, not as big, smaller, but similar, similar business. And, um, and I remember saying, well, you know, we could do this, that and the other related to, you know, using, <clears throat> I don't remember what it is actually, but something, something digital transformation oriented, even though I don't know if we were using that term quite yet, but, um, and this guy looks at me and he goes, yeah, that sounds like a science project. And, <laughs> and I knew that the sale was pretty much dead right there. Like we weren't going to yep. sell anything. Um, so, so you, so let's talk about that because I know that um, I can tell just by looking at the little progression of things of positions on your LinkedIn, that what happened one day, you were busy, happy, pumping and turning wrenches or whatever it was you were doing, or probably managing other people doing that by now. And one day somebody walked in and said, surprise, you're now in charge of digital transformation for all these these people out here that want nothing to do with it. So what, so what did you do? What, so first of all, how, how were you so lucky enough to be, they, there must've been something. They saw something in your eyes that said, she's going to be good at this. And, and what did you do? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, practically that's exactly what happened, but you're right. Like I was um, artificial foreman at that point. Right. And, and where I was working again, I was, I was in a BU. And so we were mm -hmm. really working in Fort Worth, for some of that efficiency, right? Kind of looking yeah. towards an older field. How do we make it more profitable and really optimized? And so sure. in doing that, um, it was really kind of doing that job. And then we were bringing on all these initiatives of like, oh, pump by exception, operate by priority, whatever we're going to call it now. How do we how do we really bring in where guys are going to valuable stuff and, and that we're not focusing on the non-profitable stuff? And um as we started doing that, it was really just kind of split efforts. And we finally kind of sat down and talked and said, okay, I'm, I'm doing two jobs probably pretty, pretty badly at this point. Like I need right. to pick one and something and really decided to go down this path. And we actually created a role um, called the operations technology coordinator, which is what I was doing directly before this one. And that, really okay, I got to stop you. That, that sounds yeah, like ExxonMobil. That sounds like ExxonMobil. <laughs> You're probably you're probably not wrong. I think my operations ops manager had a list of, yes. Yeah, they had a, a list of names that he could pick through and he kinda picked said, that makes sense to me. Okay. Yeah, okay. Okay. Um, so so you so there you go. So so then what happened? <laughs> so and then um yeah, so for sure started proving out the use case that we could drive a lot of this digital and efficiency by having a voice from the field and who supports the field because we have a ton of great ideas that are really grassroots right? right so many times these lease operators mechanics maintenance guys measurement guys they have great ideas on how to make their job more efficient but right. they really didn't have a pipeline of where it went right they might send it to a foreman the foreman might be interested but yeah oh sure. the safety thing came up or this thing came up so so, let's, so let's pause there for just a second because yeah so give me an example because people because that sentence you just said like we had some ideas that would make our job more efficient blah 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 people say those things a lot of times in the abstract and i understand it's because we're trying to kind of generalize so we can keep the conversation moving but like give me an example like what is one of those things that somebody our biggest thing 
And it's so silly. Um, it's silly when you're on the outside looking in because for any under, uh, other industry, it's probably crazy. But it was using our phones. How many times are guys out in the field with like they're on a hot spot on their phone trying to get them the laptop to do things? And right. in our daily world, at any point, I had one guy tell me, I can see what my wife is spending two seconds after she spent it because I get an alert from my bank account, but I couldn't <laughs> do anything on my phone in the company. And now in Uncon, at least, like we've embedded phones with everything, right? It's like their crescent wrench. They better have it in their back pocket. Yeah. And that's what they do. They get their data there. They input their data there. We fill out, we fill out compliance forms, like everything's mobile now um, or, or a ton of it, right? Uh, we took paperway yeah. laptops. They still use it, but it's really, if you can do it on Facebook, why can you not do it for Wells? Why can you do it from, yeah. What, so so there, what you're talking about is digital transformation being brought to the worker, uh, the workers themselves and how mm -hmm. they work, right? Do you have any yep. examples of, of um, and there's lots of, there's lots of that going around, which is really good. Um, do you have, is have you done anything with regard to bringing some sort of digital transformation like actually to the drilling and completions and production operations themselves where like now maybe the like your service companies or your or your vendors or whatever have got like new capabilities that are making things work better or is it really just about enabling the people to run the operation better so, you know, my, my major role, at least, is really hands-on with operations in our internal teams a lot of the time. Right. But I'll say that we try to spread that, right? And so we're not so siloed that just because it's our main focus, we don't try to try to move further out. And so we're doing a lot of things. At least we, you know, we have a couple of digital teams in unconventional um, drilling and completions is one of those focus. We, we use a third-party company. And there's some really cool things that we use. Um and like Corva, for example, and, and oh. we're not opposed to third party too, we right? Love those I think guys. You have to... We love we love Corva. They, <laughs> I they, think you um... have to think like what's internal versus external off the shelf available, right? Yeah, yeah. No, those, we love so Ryan and those guys, we love them. In fact, if you're um you're in Houston, right? Aren't you in Houston? Yeah. 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 So mm -hmm. so you need to come and everybody else who's listening who's in Houston, you need to come to uh the OGGN monthly happy hour events now we've started those back up those were kind of this legendary thing that we used to do and then of course we quit you know <clears throat> when everybody was not doing that stuff um um but we have them at the canon in west houston uh and which is also where we record a lot of podcasts but we've started having them in ryan in the corva offices i don't know if you've ever been there but they have, oh, this, have uh -oh. they have this amazing space at the Cannon, this big open kind of event space, and um, it's really it's really cool. But yeah, they they you know they're doing some stuff that is um, like when it comes to like closing the loop with with data, you know, like being able to analyze and process data like in real time in the drilling operation and like send it right back into the operation to to adjust the instructions that ordinarily you'd have to would have had to go back to like the guy who made the model um like that that's really cool stuff that they're doing is that yeah i mean is that what you're seeing happen out there and the and world? i think they're doing a lot of that stuff and and we have a really awesome we're, we're just going to keep giving you more people to talk to but we have a really awesome um drilling manager named jason gar and he's got like a drilling control room set up on our campus where it's really um screens up with drilling engineers working and looking at the and then we'll have Focus on our, our, you know, our performance. Okay. So, all right, I gotta pause you for a second because 
Remember that thing that before we turned on record that like is, I said it sounds like you're oh on no Jupiter. Oh wait, now you're back. You're back. So you must have turned okay. your head. That's okay. But <laughs> anyway, we're gonna get that drilling guy on the show to talk about because that's because uh, that yeah, don't move your head or anything. Okay, um, I won't. I'm and, gonna uh, stay. So now you can tell the still. truth is that part of your digital transformation for workers is you've actually installed antennas in your head, right? And, <laughs> <laughs> that's it but you're that's still it. they follow me around fine tuning so all right so um so let's go back to the story um so so one of the things like and i think back to one of the things that ben uh told me was that when somebody when he was a field an operations guy in the field and these you know these two like young guys had this idea for some, I don't even remember what it was, some sort of fancy computer stuff. And he said, and I like promptly threw them out of my office. And um, so, so how did you talk? So, talk, and when I said, yeah, how do you, how do you overcome that? That was when they started talking about Maggie being like the master, <laughs> the master at that. So what's the, if I'm somebody listening to this and I'm like, yeah, I just got crowned this position as well. And nobody wants anything to do with it. What do you do? How do you how do you approach that group of people and help bring them like like the like the question how do you get buy in right? But that's like a simple way. Of, like like the reality is you got to go out there and start talking to people. Like how did you do it? How, that's how exactly it. Like I, I think some of the some people come with a technology and say give me a problem so this technology fits it. What we do is say, give me your problem and let me see if I can find a technology for you. Yeah. So I don't, I don't, I'm not there to pitch technologies and sales jobs and I'm there right. to help their business process and their workflow. And if they can help me with that or I can go and I don't, I don't expect us to sit and workshop and spend four days in a room where they document everything. My expectation. Oh, they love for myself, that. That's their favorite. Thing <laughs> they love it. My right. expectation for myself and for the network of people I work with. So there's a whole team of OTCs now that report directly to superintendents and HBU is that we are in the truck riding with the guys and looking for opportunities. Like I shouldn't, they shouldn't have to come to me for every little thing. But if we sit there and ride with them and understand and recognize when things are happening, happening, then we can find some of those and like, oh, why are you having to do that? Tell me more about that. Who's asking you for that? And then we get to go do the investigation. And yeah. I, I swear the first time that you actually get results for them where you've made their job a little bit easier and they can focus on what is a priority in their world, they'll bring stuff to you. Yeah, Like the buy-in is proving that you, you're there for them. Right. right. So the first time you go and say, give me one of your problems, they're like, well, okay, I'll play along. Right. Yeah. Um, and then- and then when you solve it and make it better, all of a sudden, like you got a contract. They're like, oh, here's 20 more problems. <laughs> I always laugh. My first conversation was we were rolling out a, a technology and it was a third party technology and in the easy parts to roll out. Right. That's the easy part. But the follow up is where where it really like proves out because nothing's perfect, especially if you're going to try new things. So I went in, I said, OK, you can tell me it's not good. You can tell me I'm not good. I don't care. I've got thick skin and just talk to me. And like an hour later, I had them telling me they wanted FR rain gear because they're like, oh, look, she's getting stuff done. Right. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I can't like, necessarily get you FR rain gear, right. but like, and also when the foreman's sitting there. The yeah. yeah. <laughs> and their foreman's sitting there and he's like, I'll handle that one. I'm like, okay, thanks. <laughs> Do that. But you just become a point person. Right. And it's not because I can necessarily fix everything, but maybe on the pipeline. So they don't have to call Houston or they catch me 
like most of the operators in the field, it's not that they can't work emails or their phones, but it's so much easier to catch somebody. So they always caught me way more times running to the bathroom or the safety meeting than they ever reached out and like actually called me for something. Right. Sure. So you just have to be available. You have to be part of their network and, and part of their world. Yeah, no. Right. And, and you, so this is a, I think there's a couple of things that are really key here to being successful. One is you have the credibility because you're, you're from that world. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, so that, I think that like, if you're looking at like, what's the prescription for success, that, that one's probably critical. Um, and, uh, and then as you said, being like actually being there, right. You're not like this person at the other end of an email trail somewhere, um, you know, who I need to remember to get back to, right. You're somebody that I can like run into on the way to the bathroom and, 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 and talk about stuff. So, so let's, um, but now let's talk about what happens on the other side, because, because you mentioned all of a sudden now they give you 20 problems, which means, because on the other side of all this, you have to like, actually make these like 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 come up with solutions that work which means you have to prioritize what's most important um and you also have to probably wrangle various groups of people right to actually like you don't have a magic wand where you just go like poof here your your problem is now better so what happens on the other side well, I want that magic wand. Um, <laughs> okay. But yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? So part of it is prioritization. Um, you know, when I look at it and when I have to prioritize across everything, because I have, you know, three major BUs with divisions kind of within them. And so right. everybody needs something. It's not always the same thing. So no. if we are looking for something uh, long term, we want to try something, see if it works. So do small pilots. Um, so really, you know, discover that kind of figure out what's the right fit for it and then scale it if possible. And so when you really get to that scalability, that's when you're like, okay, I can put more resources behind it because it may fit a thousand lease operators versus these 20. And so I really have to start in in my role now with, with 10 OTCs kind of that I work with, I have to start looking at saying what's the biggest impact to the business and who's also hurting the worst, right? Do we have some decent workarounds here that we can make this work and we can buy a little bit of time or something completely broken and we need to figure this out and have a full end-to-end solution? And so a lot of times it's a very iterative process. Like we can't always do the slam dunk. We're going to get everything done right now. But I also think if you communicate that with the guys, they are very open to knowing that it's not going to happen in the next two weeks that it's going to be a process to get there if you can deliver on the things that that can happen in the next two weeks. Right, right, right. And and I mean, our IT teams, at least, you know, the Uncon IT teams are our partnership and I couldn't do it without them. So I always just say I translate the field very well, but like I know just enough technical to probably be painful and be a problem. And so they really <laughs> helped me like taking my translation yeah. and doing something with it and trying to build that priority as well. Right. Do, do you have people but that we also are, don't um, do? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no. Well, I'm just curious. Do you have people who are dedicated to you for these efforts or do you have to kind of like compete for uh, resources in, in, you know, like in the, in the pile of people? We, we definitely compete. Um, yeah. But I'll say most of the stuff now, and I've been really lucky with at least the avenues that we kind of reach out to, right. um, were probably some of the biggest priorities because they know it's coming straight from the business 
And so it, it's like the customer wants it, we're going to give it to the customer. And that's really how um, gotcha. SEO ITs works. If yeah. it's really business driven and it's bringing value, I heard one of the old managers say um, at one point to, to his team, it's not about how many laptops you replace, it's how many dollars you brought to the bottom line for that profit for that company, you know? Um, yeah, and so, so when we're all so pulling you, the wagon in the same direction, that's right. Important. So that, that gets to actually my next thing, which is something that is often elusive for this kind of stuff is how do you measure that the impact of these things in like real dollars to the bottom line for the company or, or whatever the measurement is? How do you, um, how, how do you, like, it's easy for you anecdotally to look out and see that people's lives have improved, but like at some point you got to, like somebody somewhere wants to know how, what, how did that move the needle in our business? So how do you measure it? Yeah. And I, I mean, some things are way easier than others, right? Some things have very tangible, they've improved our safety program. They've increased volumes. They've dropped OPEX. There's things that are very tangible that you can say from the forefront that this is what value we're going to start tracking mm -hmm. and look at like what our baseline was when we started and see what it is at the end. You know, maybe maybe um, one of my team members is doing artificial lift stuff and and we increase production by like two percent or something, you know, um, throwing out some numbers. Yeah. But then there's other soft, soft value things that it's a whole lot harder. And that's the anecdotal stuff. Right. But if I save a guy um, out in the field an hour a day and exponentially look at that over how many days they work, that's value too, right? And then one cool thing that we found is that we have that kind of peripheral value where we're chasing this one thing, but because we freed up their time, we've actually seen some hard value come up because they had dedicated time right. to do other things that brought value. Right, right. So does and anybody ever ask you like, well, how do you know that it was what you did, that thing you did that gave us that 2%? Maybe maybe we just got better this month. Oh, yeah. And and I think that's something we always tackle, right? Or when you have so many initiatives, how do you say right, that right. this initiative was the one that did it? Um, and I think that's something we're all going to struggle with for a really, really long time until we figure it out. Now, I'm a big believer as well that half the time the value comes in the philosophy change, right? It comes in sure. in not just the technology, but hey, we're looking at stuff different and we're trying to be more efficient and drive towards more quality. But at that point, then what we're doing is still a facilitator of that, right? So yeah, whether yeah. it's on the technology or the process, we're still changing the mindset to a transformational kind of process, um, which I think is pretty powerful. Um, cause technology is going to grow, it's going to change and adjust right. and we just need to do that. And we need the guys to be, um, first tall enough to do it with us. Yeah. I'm sold. You convinced me. I'm ready. To, <laughs> I'm ready to fund your project, whatever it is, whatever it is, you can have whatever money you want. That's, they um, always trust me. Cause I tell them we're not going to do digital for the sake of digital. That's, yeah. that's the science project, right? We're doing so, it because it's. it should do something with our safety our cost, our people or our volumes. Like so we got to, really we got to. Yeah, go ahead, sorry. yeah. No, it's okay. We just, you, we got to help pull the wagon. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, is, so the, you, so you said the uh, digital for the sake of digital. So, um, so the very first time I ever heard somebody, you know, now it was technology for the sake of, for technology's sake. Um, you know, this is, this is back when we used to say, we didn't say digital. Right. Um, mm -hmm. um, so this is probably like going to be before your time, but um, I heard I heard people say you shouldn't do technology for technology's sake. I heard that in the 1990s. 
and and it was like very profound, right? It was like very profound. Like, yeah, yo, yeah, that's right. Oh, oh, they're just doing technology for technology's sake. Oh, well, we don't want to do that. We're not that stupid, right? And and we keep doing it over. Oh, like, we keep and doing 25 it. Twenty five years later, like we're still, you're still, we're still doing. We're still saying it and still having to fight it. Right? Yeah, and we're still and we're still saying it like it's like it's like this new wisdom that we'd never thought yep. of before. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so, but it's it's kind of human nature, right? Like when these new capabilities come along, um, you you feel like we should be using that. We should be doing something with that. You know, so-and-so is doing it. How come we're not doing it? We could be, you know, like, it's just natural, I think, to be enthusiastic about these things and um, and to want to get, you know, whatever presumed benefit there is. So you have kind of two different groups of people, right? You have the people who maybe are more like some of the people that you had to have had to deal with who are like, um, just like keep all that stuff away from me. But then you have the people who are like, this is great. We should be using this. But, and then they make the mistake of, okay, but what are you actually going to do with it? What do you expect to get out of it? And how do you, so it sounds to me like, like you've got that formula down pretty, pretty well at this point. Right. And the key is you're actually out there in the field observing, right. And, 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 and working those relationships. Yeah. And I think we're also and and there's, I think there's a, difference as well from being a hurdle from doing technology and being a filter because every time every startup company comes and has a new great idea or a new shiny dashboard that they throw it as being AI or machine learning and it's like no you just gave us a fancy dashboard we have to help filter that right because it's really easy to get sucked in and then be overwhelmed with initiatives or trials or pilots where we're not doing our base business and so part of it is just looking in and kind of scoping that out to see if it's a viable solution and then target like a pilot area that's got some open time to do it or willingness to do it that would fit their business so we could prove out the results. I mean, you think about stuff and and it's becoming more and more prevalent and things are coming, but we couldn't have done drones four or five years ago, like we could possibly do them in five years from here. Right. right sure. Or, or the smart goggles or things like that, like stuff that was really cool. And yeah, we should be able to do something with it, but it just wasn't there, especially in not a refinery or not a platform or places that don't have Wi-Fi. Or we're in the middle of Carlsbad, New Mexico, um, or the desert outside of Carlsbad, New Mexico with cruddy cell service on the side of a canyon, you know? Um, <laughs> right. it, you got to think about the fit for purpose. Like, sure. oh, it's great if I'm in Houston with 5G, you know? But what does right. it look like out there for us? It's coming soon. 5G, it'll be out there on the <laughs> edge of the canyon soon. Um, but, but so another thing that an interesting part of, I know what you're describing is you're you're right. There are these new innovations that are coming fast and furious now. Um, and you're going to be much because the 5G will eventually show up everywhere. In fact, we're having a that's that's going to be our panel, our panel discussion at the next uh, OGG and happy hour um, on the 20th. Uh, this month, no, what is it? The thirtieth on the thirtieth of this month, um, which is being sponsored by Realware. And I, you know, if you've if you looked at some of the stuff that the, those guys at Realware and some of the like connected worker stuff, the innovations are amazing. You're gonna be in a lot better position 
to adopt whatever new stuff does come along now that you kind of have this like framework and this rhythm for how to get this stuff done right like like you've got like like you got the machine running now right and it's like and it's like all greased up and you know you know now how to identify opportunities for a solution find the solution and bring that solution to bear so all you got to do is just keep running that machine as these new innovations come along is that am i am i making that sound too shiny or is yeah kind of, no i mean, I mean that's 100 percent right, right. Yeah. well and honestly the idea is like it doesn't even it's a machine that manages itself at some point so if i really do my job well my job doesn't exist in a little bit and it's just embedded in the in our business that they do digital Right. Right. That it's just part of their daily life and they are the machine that goes through these things. Right. So, so um, what are you going to do that, once they don't need you anymore? I'll find something else. I promise. That's <laughs> really? a success for me. <laughs> so, so this is so for all our listeners, just uh, keep in mind that this amazing person, Maggie Burns, will probably be available for you, for you. I mean, I think I'll be probably somewhere months. else in Exxon, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully they don't fire me All because this can of be it, yours but... for the low price. So. Yeah, no, this but, is like but, a scene on TV. Is that, is that, but is it really, but I mean, but you're serious though. They're actually getting to yeah. where like this is just part of how the business runs. Yeah. I mean, especially with my, like, and I can't talk about them enough, but those, those OTCs and you know, we like our acronyms, but yeah. them being embedded in the field, they're all doing it themselves. Right. Like oh, yeah. what was I that, help like, operational give, like, technology a, coordinator. Is that what it was? Yeah. 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 yeah okay. And like, so they're doing it themselves. We have regular meetings and cadences where we kind of talk to each other and see if it fits global vision. And if there's something new that they don't know about, they come to me and we vet it together and, and go through our teams. But man, it's, um, it uh, at this point, I feel like it's a well-oiled machine that they kind of take care of stuff for us, and they're they're delivering right there, and they're reporting to the local BU management. So usually a a production superintendent, operation superintendent, um, and they're just part of the team, and and they they are the digital lead for out there. That's fantastic. That's you make it sound so easy. I don't know why we're having all this trouble everywhere. <laughs> Get, get, find, find those find those uh trailblazers yeah no well then that's the thing and that's why that's exactly what the show is about we say that this is about um stories about people who are getting digital done it certainly sounds like you are getting digital done we we mentioned i can't remember if this was before we turned on the microphones but we were talking about how sometimes we, we catch in the industry we you know the the uh the outside observing think tanks like to say, um, you know, uh, well, you're, you're not making very much progress in, in digital transformation, but we, we've come a tremendous, given the size and complexity of the industry, this, what you're describing right here, it sounds like progress to me. I, I mean, I, you know, it, it feels like it anyway, right? I think it's a ton of progress in a very short period of time. I mean, we went from an industry that was pretty, probably static in what we were doing. And, and I think here's the other thing. People say the oil and gas isn't innovative. If you look from a, like a scientific drilling, fracking completion, it's yes. very innovative, right? Yes. It was just the focus was on something different. And so now we really split the focus into something that we found brought just as much value as that stuff does. Right. And I think everybody talks about it in terms of like, oh, well, yeah, we have Facebook, we have Instagram, we have we have Amazon. But nobody looks yeah. at the yeah, 20 years they well were in a garage. At, in a, yeah. Right? In a 12 inch space for a mile. 
mile and a half. Yeah. Yeah, and then pipes are 90 degree angle, right? Like we can do really cool things. Yeah, yeah. And and we frequently can by putting our put You're back in space again. Oh. I guess that means we're gonna have. I my head. I can't wait till you hear this. Oh wait, I think it's I think it's fixed again. Oh, did that fix it? No. No. no, but I will say this. So you now you have just hit on my other soapbox, which is which is really part of the other show, Oil and Gas Tech, and uh, which is that yes, we've been innovating in this uh, industry for for over a hundred years, and uh, and we were tech before tech was cool. So we're gonna have to. So I might have to get you to go on to that show, and if it, I mean, if that's something that you're passionate about, we can talk about that for a half hour easily. Um, <laughs> But uh, but this is probably a good place to wrap up for today. It's really um, they they told me you were going to have a good story, and they weren't lying. It's a really good one. So thank you for uh, making time to uh, share it with everybody. Well, thank you. I'm sorry, my audio is iffy. Oh, it's so. be- it's better now. So we're good. Yay. So okay. let's so let's wrap up before <laughs> let's finish up on the high mark. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Well. Maggie Burns, XTO Energy, thank you very much. And uh, we really appreciate you uh, sharing all your wisdom and insight. Thank you so much for having me. Well, there you go, folks. The famous Maggie Burns from XTO Energy and or ExxonMobil. Um, and I guess, you know, she is famous uh, in some circles, uh, certainly the ones where she's having a lot of impact. We do love having these stories uh, from people who are actually out there on the front lines operationally trying to get digital done, which is, of course, what the Oil & Gas Digital Doers podcast is all about. So thanks to her for uh, making time and being on the show. Maybe we'll check back in with her a little later and see uh, later in the year and see how she's doing. Also, I need to tell you about a few things, actually. Um, as always, there is so much going on with OGGN that I'm probably going to leave some stuff out. But some of the highlights are, uh, uh, first of all, uh, you've probably heard me mention this new show that we just launched recently, that is uh, kind of exploring strategies for new energy because, of course, we are embracing that. I mean, make no mistake, here at Oil & Gas Global Network, we are very, uh, we are we are oil and gas advocates. We love the industry. We're very, as you know, we, we create a great community. Um, but, you know, we've got to look at what's going on in the world and some of this other energy stuff. So we launched a new podcast and uh, hosted by Joe Batier. In fact, I had him as a guest on um, on my other show, the Oil and Gas Tech Show. Which, if you if you like this one, you got to listen to the Tech Show because they kind of go together. Um, anyway, uh, that you might have heard me talk about that show being called Low Carbon Solutions. Uh, and you know, there was a little bump in the road. And presto, there's a new title, uh, and it is and it is Energy Transition Solutions. Suffice to say that between our team and our, our sponsors team, uh, AWS Energy, which is uh, very kindly sponsoring that show, we decided that would be a better title. So if you subscribed to Low Carbon Solutions and you're looking and you're saying, where the heck is it? It is. It should still, your subscription should still be there. The artwork looks almost the same. The title is different. The title of the show is different. And uh, it's still Joe. It's still the same great show. It's off to a great start. So check that one out. If you have not already, Energy Transition Solutions. Also, oiling. Uh, <laughs> I say the word oiling gas so many times, I trip over it sometimes. OGGN has a whole bunch of, um, you know, I think we're up to 14 podcasts. So 
if you like this one, if you've heard some others, you know, go to OGGN.com. Uh, you can very quickly and easily there see all the podcasts that we offer, all the great hosts, all the great content. You can subscribe. You know, you, you find out about the, about the podcast there on the website. And then you go to your Apple or your Spotify or whatever it is that you do. And, uh, and you can find them and subscribe and listen and all that. So please do that. Also, uh, let's see what else. Oh, if you are in Houston um, or if you want to be in Houston, uh, not only have we started up the OGGN Happy Hour events, uh, which, which you've heard me say, which are, you know, once a month on the last Thursday of every month, we all show up at the Canon, we have food, we got drinks, we hang out. Uh, we always have a very good panel discussion. Um, but there's been so much demand for these that during the month of September and October, we're actually doing two each month. And so I think you are going to hear this episode um, probably in time, probably, maybe, maybe in time, too, depending on when you listen to it. You might hear it in time to go to the to the one on September twenty third. Um, that one may not actually be the canon. So check the check the, the our LinkedIn. Check our Eventbrite. We may be exploring a new venue there, uh, but all the information will be there. And then we're going to do another one on the thirtieth, and then we're going to do another one on October fourteenth, and then we're going to do another one at the end of October, whatever that day is. So there's a bunch of them, and uh, if you can't make all of them, then uh, you can at least make one of them. Maybe you can make two of them. Uh, of course, it does require you to be in Houston. Um, but if you are uh, during those times, then come to the OGGN Happy Hours. That's it. That's going to wrap it up for today, folks. As always, uh, thanks to our audio fixer guy, Mr. Mac Roman, who always puts all of this stuff together and makes us sound great. He throws a little bit of his own personality in there once in a while, as you might notice, but we love that. And thanks again to our sponsor, HPE, for making it possible. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, come back for the next one where we can uh, hear some more stories about people who are actually getting a digital done. Come back next week for yet another exhilarating expedition into the very real world of the best digital doers in the oil and gas industry. A production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.